Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, tonight, we want to go over to John chapter 4, and this is where we'll be spending uh, our time tonight. Uh, I want to continue on this series that we started a couple of Wednesdays ago, The Harvest is Coming. Uh, Over and over again, the Lord has spoke to us in this season that the harvest is coming. Uh, He said through Brother Copeland in a word that he gave, Actually, the beginning of that word was this disease called COVID-19 will not last nearly, will be over much quicker than anyone believes, and that's occurring right now. And then at the end, he said, and many, many people will come to know me through it. Uh, He said to us, to myself, concerning that, saying that the fifth month was the month that God would show his grace to a people who had largely forgotten him. Yet, because of his love and his unchanging nature, he would show them his grace, his divine favor. And then he said, the church must mobilize and tell them it was the Lord who showed them that, this grace. And many will turn to the Lord and the harvest of souls will be great. And then he said on a Monday night prayer meeting, and the babies will line up outside the doors of the church. They'll need to be fed. They'll need bottles. They'll need bassinets. They'll need knees to bounce them on. And then he said, I'm holding the church accountable for these babies. So, over and over again, he's given us his viewpoint. When, God, when you read the Word of God, you're seeing God's perspective. This is how God sees things. And so, we had talked over the offering. When you read 3 John 2, that says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. That's God's perspective of what he desires for you that you prosper and that you be in health, even as your soul prospers. So when God gives a word, that's giving you His perspective. So God's perspective is on the harvest. On the harvest. You know, a farmer, when he sows the seed, he's not focused on the seed, he's focused on the harvest. Amen. The Lord said to me something. He said, I was... uh, I had just come back from uh, Kentucky uh, from my dad's service, my dad's home going. And uh, uh, we got back and I was meditating on some things Sunday morning before I came to minister. And uh, I do a lot of uh, study on numbers, especially as they pertain to the Word of God. And something about the number four is this, is that the number four is the number of humanity. And it denotes uh, man's weakness. And as I was looking at the number four, we're in the fourth month. And the Lord had said in the fifth month, He would show His grace. And He said to me, He said, you're coming out of the fourth month, and the fourth month is the number of humanity. And in the fourth month, people are going to see how little they could really do about things. But in the fifth month, they'll see how much God can do about it. Now that's God's perspective. 
That's God's perspective. You can either either sit in the boat in the middle of the storm and try to ride it out, or you can still the storm by looking at God's perspective. So God's perspective is, is the harvest is going to be great. All right? So the farmer, when he sows a seed, he's not focused on the seed. He's focused on the harvest. That becomes his perspective. He makes his future plans based on the harvest. All right? What he's going to do in the year coming up based on his harvest. And so a harvest, of course, has to be reaped. It's a foolish farmer who knows harvest time's on the way and makes no preparations. Amen. Amen. And when you read Scripture, you see over and over again that the job of the enemy is to get you distracted to keep you not focusing on what God's perspective is. And so, harvest time is the busiest time on the farm. It's uh, everybody's involved, working around the clock if need be. And the harvest is the focus. When I was a boy growing up in West Texas, part of the operation on the ranch that we had was a farming operation. And uh, every year they would, they would have the, the corn harvest and the wheat harvest. And those harvest trucks would run 24 hours a day, probably for seven, eight days. 24 hours a day, round the clock they're running. Because once that harvest starts, you've got to get it out of the field. Because you've only got a period of time between it being good and it being ruined. And especially if there's rain or moisture, it'll come in and hurt the crop. Well, the point is, is so it's all hands on deck. Everybody getting after the harvest, right? And and the focus is the harvest. The focus is the harvest. We're doing this because of the harvest. We're not doing it for any other reason. So, in John chapter 4 and verse 29, now there's a lot that went before these verses, and you'll remember the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. But I want to pick up here in verse 29. Well, let's start in verse 28. It says, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did, is not this the Christ? Now, very often when we read these verses, you know, people, you know, they they, uh, theorize about the situation and why she was coming in the afternoon and that none of the women in the city liked her and, and all these different things. I don't know anything about that. The Scripture doesn't say that. But I do know what it says. It says that this woman's encounter with Jesus was life-transforming, right? She's at the well. She's there alone. Jesus stops. The the significant thing there is that a Jew is talking to a Samaritan. And he says to her, he tells her what's going on with her life, and she goes and tells all the men in the city, come see a man that told me everything I'd ever done. It was life transforming. This was the first seed that Jesus had sown into the life of a Samaritan. And notice something. This woman was so overwhelmed by the love Jesus showed her that she went back to the village and told the people, come see a man who told me all things ever I did. That's the first seed 
that Jesus in his ministry ever sowed into the heart or the life of a Samaritan. In verse 30 it says, Then they went, then went, out, then they went out of the city and came unto him. So the entire village came to find Jesus because of that woman's testimony. All right, he told me all things that ever I had, had done. And notice, it was just a matter of hours, in just a matter of hours, Jesus would reap a harvest from the seed sown into the heart of that woman. All right, just a matter of hours, he's going to reap a harvest from the seed that he sowed. Now in verse 34, it says this, Jesus saith unto them, his disciples, his disciples came back to him. And uh, it says, Jesus says to them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. So Jesus' meat, he says, was to do the will of the Father, which was to win the lost. That's the will of the Father. He said that the reason He came into the world was to seek and to save the lost. When Jesus, when, when Matthew came to follow Jesus, uh, it says that that same day Matthew threw a great feast and invited all the publicans and tax collectors in the city, and they came to that dinner. And Jesus was sitting there, and the scribes and Pharisees looked at his disciples and says, Why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? And the disciples didn't have a chance to answer, because Jesus said, It's not the well that need a physician, it's, a, it's the sick. This is why I came into the earth to seek and save that which was lost. That's the purpose. Amen. And so he says, My meat, my sustenance, my joy comes from doing the will of the Father, which ultimately is to win the lost, which ultimately is to reap the harvest. And notice what Jesus said. He said, don't say there's yet four months till the harvest. All right? The harvest is great, and the harvest is ready. All right? He said, don't say there's four months and then the harvest. Seed had been sown into the heart of the Samaritan woman, and just a short time later, it was already time to reap. Already time. Jesus told the disciples, notice what he told them. The Phillips translation says this, But I tell you to open your eyes and look at the fields. They're gleaming white already for the harvest. They're already gleaming white for the harvest. We are the reapers. We're the combine generation us. We're the ones that's going to reap the harvest. Everything that you see going on in the world and, and not just with, with a, a virus. I'm saying everything. If there wasn't a virus, everything that's going on in the world, people are either going to turn to God or turn away from God. Those that want to turn to God, we have to be ready to reap that harvest. There are going to be people that are going to be stubborn and obstinate no matter what's going on and they're going to be determined to do it their own way. And the Bible says they'll receive the recompense of their work. But there are going to be people, and, and it's not just with, with the situation. There are people right now that if this pandemic wasn't going on, their marriage is falling apart, and they don't know how to fix it. 
There are people that are at their, 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 their ropes in with their financial situation and they don't know how to fix it. They're looking for an answer. And somehow, some way, the gospel is going to reach them and that seed's going to be sown in their heart and the church is going to be ready to reap it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're the combine generation. We, we have been placed in this earth for the, the season and the time that we're in. It's not an accident that we're alive right now. It's not an accident that we're on the earth right now in this season in 2020 in the month of April because God knows how you're going to respond to the harvest that's coming. You're not going to leave it rot in the field. You're going to respond appropriately and see souls come into the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. We have that privilege of being alive at this time. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The harvest is great and the harvest is ready. And we have a great opportunity to be one of those who help bring it in. We have that opportunity. Amen. The young men that, that, that moved us the other day, uh, we were standing in the garage after they were done. And uh, uh, the young man said, are you a pastor? I said, yes, I am. He said, uh, uh, all of them gathered around. They said, would, would you speak a blessing over our business? Because we just started it and, and we could sure use some help. People want God's help if we're, re- if we're willing to put it out there and say God wants to help you. Amen. Pastor Michelle came up behind me. We said, yes, yeah, man, we grabbed hands. I'm going to speak a blessing over you in the name of Jesus. And we prayed over them. And those young men were just so touched by the power of God. Every person that you encounter on a daily basis is hungry for the things of God. Because somewhere on the inside of them, they know the answer is in what you're saying. They know the answer's there. They may not understand all of it, but they look at your life and they compare your life with their life. See, this woman, Jesus encountered her and he told her some things from the office of the prophet. But what he brought to her was an understanding that my life doesn't have to be the way it is. It can change. This man cares about me. He's paying attention to me and my life can change. And she went and told everybody what Jesus said. Every person that you encounter is looking for something to change in their life. If they're not born again, they need to have an answer. They want change. And we have the privilege of opening up our hearts and opening up our spirits and being one of those that help bring in the harvest. Amen. Jesus said the fields were already white to harvest. You know, that doesn't change. The harvest doesn't go on pause because the world hits a challenge. Amen. Amen. That the church doesn't go on pause because the world goes through a challenge. It's more important now that the church be alive and activated and mobilized than it's ever been before. Amen. We, we, we can't afford to not be that way. I mean, our prayers, our prayers this, this past week, you know, uh, 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 our governor had shut down the only abortion clinic in the state left. He had shut it down and said, you can't be operating. Well, they appealed it to the courts, and, and the courts allowed them to keep going. And do you know people were driving from all other states, Missouri, Texas, Louisiana, from all kinds of other states here to get abortions. Amen. But we were praying. We were seeking God. We were standing against that. 
and the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals shut it down. Amen. Amen. No, you can't be doing that. Listen, the church is a force to be reckoned with. And what people are seeing in this season is that what we preach really works. It's really the strong man's gospel. It takes somebody strong in faith and strong in the spirit to stand up in these seasons and say, Jesus is the answer. And no matter what you're facing, Jesus will bring you out. And this woman encountered a presence that she wasn't expecting. Every time you walk into a grocery store and you walk in fear free and you walk in absolutely void of fear and you're not concerned about getting too close to somebody or if somebody bumps into you, you're not going to panic and run, panic and run, right? Because you're not concerned about it in the sense that I'm protected and you need to see that there's freedom from this. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be reckless, but I'm not going to be afraid. And they're going to look at your life and say, there's something different about you. I want what you have. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Amen. Jesus said the fields were already white to harvest. You know, I, I, I think about different things and... and, and uh, I've been picking on Pastor Larry the last couple of days. But I, I'm so, I'm so, when I hear a story like that, he, he talks about how messed up his life was. And, 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 and you'll have to ask him all the details, but strung out on dope and, and homeless and, and, and no hope. And, and going to that gas station. Right? You remember that? I know you do. And, and he said, you were in paying for your gas, right? And he turned around and he saw Sister Anna coming from the gas pump. And, of course, he wasn't thinking anything Christian, all right? But he was thinking how beautiful, this was his testimony, how beautiful this woman is. Hey, mama, that's what he's thinking, right? But, but he, started, he started getting acquainted with her and found out real quick, she's, she's got another man in her life, Jesus. Right? And she told him, you got to be coming to church and you got to change. You want something to do with me? You got to change. Right? But here's what it did it made him want what she had. Right? She's got something I don't have. Hallelujah. Everybody you encounter, it can be that way. They've got something I don't have. This woman saw Jesus. She thought Jesus needed something from her, but she found out in the middle of the conversation she needed something from Jesus. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory. Glory to God. And so he said the fields were already white to harvest. He was referring to the people who were coming to see him. It says they were all coming to him. One scholar noted this. He said that, the workers in small villages were known to wear white workers' garments. And so all these people are coming to Jesus, and Jesus saw a crowd of people coming toward Him dressed in white. He didn't see white garments. He saw a harvest that was white and ready to be reaped. And so the disciples couldn't see this. They're standing with their backs to the people, and Jesus is talking to them, and He says, Don't say there's four months and then the harvest. Look, the harvest is ready right now. They're coming to us. 
Folks, this thing has been prepackaged. The harvest is going to come to the front doors. It's going to come to your job. It's going to come to your family. It's going to come to the supermarket. People are going to be so ready to hear the goodness of God that when you start talking, you're going to have a revival. You're going to have a prayer meeting right where you're at. People are going to come to Jesus. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, it's going to be the simplest thing in the world to get people saved because when people hit the end of their ability, they will turn to God's ability. And when they turn to God's ability and change happens in their life, they'll give their heart to Him. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So He didn't see those white garments. He saw a harvest that was white and ready to be reaped. In verse 35 it says, Say not there are four months and then comes a harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Then verse 36 he said, And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. The Phillips translation says, the reaper is already being rewarded and getting in a harvest for eternal life so that both sower and reaper may be glad together. For in this harvest the old saying comes true, one man sows and another reaps. I have sent you to reap a harvest for which you never labored. Other men have worked hard and you've reaped the results of their labors. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus was the one that sowed the initial seed into the heart of that woman. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Jesus was the sower, but the harvest could not be fully reaped without help. Somebody had to sow. He had to have help reaping. That's why he said the church has to mobilize and be ready to reap the harvest that's coming in. Amen. It's not pressure to win souls. Sometimes in the church, uh, uh, well-meaning ministers have have gotten up and they they put pressure on people. You know, the blood of sinners is going to be on your hands. And they'll quote the scripture from the book of Ezekiel. You know, if... uh, if, uh, if I send out a warning and, and uh, uh, you know, the person doesn't listen, I'm going to require his blood at your hands. Well, what he's saying is if God speaks to you specifically to tell somebody something and you don't tell them, then you're going to be held accountable for it. I, I'm not accountable for every person's salvation that I encounter uh, uh, throughout the day. Because here's the thing, is I'm, on, I'm only the sower. They have to receive the seed. But here's the point that I want you to see with this is is Jesus said so. So Jesus said other men have worked hard and you reap the harvest. You reap the result of their labors. So there are times there's somebody sows a seed and we come and reap the harvest of what they did. All right. It's not a pressure thing of making sure that, 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 that you try to talk to as many people as you can every day about Jesus. Walk through every door that the Holy Ghost opens. But understand, everybody is not going to listen and everybody's not going to be open to what you're saying. But here's the thing. There are going to be people that are. Amen. And we will reap the harvest. Every time 
there's been a challenge in the world, the result was people's hearts were open to the gospel. If, if you go back and you look at great outpourings and great awakenings, uh, uh, after, after the plague hit, people were turning to God. After 9-11 hit, people were turning to God. After 2008, 2009, when the recession hit the world, people were turning to God. People are going to turn to God. And we're going to be ready. Amen. Jesus was the sower, but the harvest couldn't be fully reaped without help. Verse 38 says, And I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and you entered into their labors. When Jesus sowed the seed into the heart of that woman, the disciples were in the city buying food for Jesus. Why is that important? They had done absolutely no work at all for that harvest. They weren't even there. Do you know there can be seeds that were sown before you were ever born? And you grow up and reap the harvest. In your family, in your friends, in different people. They're, 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 amen. My, my grandparents prayed for me. My grandfather prayed for me. And, and he died the same week I was born. But here I am, third generation preacher doing what God asked ask us to do. Well, he's, he reaped a harvest. Other people, he sowed the seed, excuse me, and other people reaped the harvest. They weren't even there. Amen. And they, they were able to reap the harvest. They literally entered into a harvest that was white and ready to be reaped, and they had nothing to do with it. Amen. That's like being born into wealth. You were born into it. You didn't do anything to earn it. You were just born into it. We were born into a harvest. It's just there. It's just ready to be reaped. Whether it's my neighbor, whether it's my co-worker, my family member, uh, somebody I don't know. The, the harvest is there. It's been my, my experience that nine times out of ten, when you start dealing with somebody about receiving Jesus, most of the time the Lord's been dealing with them in some manner. Just been my experience. It's not always the case, but it's been my experience. I've, I've talked to people, just, just strangers. I, I remember one time Pastor Michelle and I were getting in our, our uh, we had a minivan at the time, all of our kids were little, and uh, uh, we were getting in the van, I saw a guy standing up under an awning smoking a cigarette. And I was getting ready to get in the, in the, in the van, the Lord said, go, go talk to him, go, go share the gospel with him. And I went up to him and, and I said, you know, I know you don't know me, but uh, I, I just want to ask you some questions. I began to talk to him about the Lord. And, I mean, it was just almost automatic. He just, he threw that cigarette down and he said, I need you to pray with me. And we led him to the Lord. Well, see, he was ready. Somewhere the door had been opened. Somewhere the seed had been sown. But somebody has to be willing to go harvest the seed that's sown. Amen. Willingness. The only thing it takes to reap a harvest is to be willing. There, there's no right way or wrong way in the sense of, 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 of how do I approach it? What do I do? You have to be willing to go out there and say, the seed has been sown. I'm going to reap the harvest. Amen. 
When we had a flat tire one time and a guy, a guy took me to get the tire changed, and, and that's a whole different, long, funny story, but uh, to synopsize it, uh, uh, he, he took me back to the van where all the kids were and, and Pastor Michelle, and uh, we, we put the tire on the van, and uh, 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 I was putting things away, and the Lord spoke to me while I was getting in the car, and he said, uh, this man is a Vietnam veteran, and he said when he came back from Vietnam, he's an alcoholic, because when he came back from Vietnam, everybody was hating on him, everybody didn't love on him, and, and it destroyed him, and he turned to alcohol, and he's been an alcoholic all these years. And he said, I want you to go tell him I love him. So I went back there, and I said, look, uh, you may not understand this. I said, but you're a Vietnam vet, and when you came back, all the hate and all the, the, the pain that you went through, you turned to alcohol. And I said, uh, God wanted me to come back here. Jesus asked me to come back here and tell you he loves you. This guy was drunk when he picked me up. When I started talking to him, tears came to his eyes. He was instantly sober, got born again right there on the spot beside 635 in Kansas City, Missouri, about a mile and a half from Worlds of Fun, and got born again on the side of the road. But he was ready. His heart was prepared. Now, how God orchestrated that, I still don't know because he had to drive to find me. This guy had to drive to find his answer, and he didn't even know he was looking for his answer. But he found it because, now, who had sowed a seed in his heart? I don't know, but I got to reap it. Amen. Amen. This is so important. So there are keys to the harvest. Number one, don't think it'll always take a long time before you see people respond to the word that you sow into their hearts. Because they're often ready to respond very quickly after you sow the word in their hearts. It might take some time. It might not. But the point is, is don't think it'll always take a long time. Because when you sow the seed, it's the seed of the Word of God, and it will begin to germinate, and you can reap that harvest. Secondly, the seed you sow into a person's heart may be the very seed that produces the next massive harvest for the kingdom of God. You know, I'm, I'm astounded at some of the stories that I've heard over the years about how uh, 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 people were born again. There's a, a, uh, a young man uh, named J. Wilbur Chapman uh, that was a shoe salesman, worked in a shoe store. And uh, he went to a young man's Sunday school group, young men's Sunday school group there in Chicago that was ran by a preacher named D.L. Moody. And uh, Moody really got a burden for Chapman because he was concerned because he didn't see him growing in the things of God the way that he should. And so he went down to the shoe store one day and began to talk to him, and the customers kind of cleared out. And he began to get serious with him about, about God and about the things of God. Well, uh, Chapman gave his life to the Lord, really made an all-out commitment to get born again, give his life to the Lord. And he started working with the YMCA, which, of course, D.L. Moody was heavily involved with. And he started working for the YMCA. And uh, one day he was doing an outdoor uh, crusade on a street corner there in Chicago. And uh, across the street, uh, sitting on a curb, uh, uh, drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes, were four or five members of the Chicago Black Sox. And one of the members of the Chicago Black Sox was a guy named Billy Sunday. 
And Billy Sunday was sitting there and he, and he heard uh, that message. And in that message, he walked over to Wilbur Chapman and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Well, Billy Sunday became one of the greatest evangelists the world's ever known. If you've ever heard the, sh- the song Chicago, Chicago, if you remember one of the verses, it says, the city Billy Sunday couldn't shut down. Well, he almost did. All right. But the point is, one millions of people, to, over a million people to Jesus Christ. All right. In those days. All right. He would go into a city and the crowds would be so large they had to build a tabernacle. Uh, he was the one that coined the phrase, walking the old sawdust trail. Because they'd put sawdust down on the aisles. And people would walk that and, and, and they'd begin to call it hitting the sawdust trail. Coming to get born again. All right. So Billy Sunday got, uh, or Billy Sunday was born again <laughs> in, in Wilbur Chapman's ministry. Well, some years later, he went to uh, South Carolina and had a meeting in a city in South Carolina. And they put up a tabernacle and the meeting was so good that a bunch of people got together when the meeting was over. And they said, we want to continue this. And they brought in a young evangelist named Mordecai Ham. And Mordecai Ham continued the meetings there uh, 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 in, in, in that city. Well, one day towards the end of the meetings, a young man came with his friends and family to those meetings, friends mainly. And uh, when the altar call was given, a young Billy Graham stood up and went to the front of that tabernacle and gave his life to Jesus. It is estimated that Billy Graham has won more people to Jesus than any person alive that has ever lived. Millions of people born again in his ministry. And it all started with a shoe salesman receiving the seed into his heart. Amen. You don't know who you're witnessing to. You don't know whose life you're changing. When when you witness to a man on the street, you're probably not aware that you're changing his family. You're changing his marriage. You're changing his ability to be a father. You're changing everything about him. He's going to go from being whatever he is to what God wants him to be. Because it's the ripple effect. It never just stops with that person. When I got born again, I got born again very young. But think about this. When I got born again, it changed the entire course of my life forever. No matter what I did, no matter, no matter, even when I got away from God, I knew the truth. I knew where the answer was. I couldn't stay away because the seed of the Word of God had been placed in my life. Amen. When, when somebody comes to the Lord, they can be whatever they are. Alcoholic, drug addict, religious, uh, just, just a heathen. They just don't want anything to do with God. And they hear one message of the gospel truth. And in 30 seconds, they cease being what they were and become what God wants them to be. I often think about that when we preach on TV and we preach on the live stream. Often think about that, how somebody can be flipping through the channels in a hopeless situation and come across our television program and in 20 seconds their life changed. 20 seconds. 
We've got people in the church. We've, we've told the testimony over and over again to people in the church. One person sitting on their bed, wondering what they're going to do with their life. Life is a mess. Finances are a mess. Don't know, don't know what they're going to do. A storm came, knocked the power out, the TV went off. When the TV came back on, it was on VTN. Pastor Michelle preaching. It wasn't on VTN when it went off. But it came back on on VTN. And Pastor Michelle saying, God wants to change your life. He'll turn things around. And it radically revolutionized that person's life. They're still in the church today. Because it just takes one seed of the Word of God to radically transform a person's life. Amen. And so people will say, well, what difference can I make? An eternal difference. Eternal. Because it affects everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the seed you sow into a person's heart may be the very seed that produces the next massive harvest for the kingdom of God. I'm always reminded of my pastor's testimony and, and, and how Miss Jeannie... Uh, uh, coaxed him into going to Nashville for that weekend uh, under the guise of seeing Johnny Cash. He didn't know they were taking him to church, right? But he, but he went to church. I'll, I'll forever be grateful for Pastor Jimmy Snow because he gave that, he preached a five-minute message, a five-minute message about why you need Jesus in your life. And Pastor Caldwell looked at Miss Jeannie and said, that's something I need, Right? And his testimony was, I thought I was a Christian. I went to church. I was born in America. That's what he thought. Right? But he said, on my way down, I looked at my wife and I said, our lives are about to change. And they did. And they did. There are countless people in heaven today because he answered a call at, in the Grand Ole Opry. Amen. All the way back in the 70s. February 11th, 1972, he gave his life to God. Amen. There are people in our church. There are people on the sound of my voice. People watching us online. You're born again and in the kingdom today because of him. Well, what if that man had not shared the five-minute message? What if Miss Jeannie and her mother had not put the pressure to go? Then countless people's lives would not be what it is today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't allow the devil to tell you you're wasting your time when you're sowing the seed of the Word of God into people's hearts. Because you may be sharing and planting the seed that will result in salvation for an entire family. Or an entire group of people. You know, I look out over, over our churches and, of course... Uh, in Kansas, we pastored, we've pastored that church for over 20 years. And I, and I look out over that church, and I see generations. And, and very often, what I see is that the dad got born again, or the mom got born again, and then the family started coming to church, and then the grandkids got born again, and the aunt and the uncle got born again. And you'll see whole families in church that were born again because one person gave their life to Christ. So important. So important because it changes the whole family. It changes everything about it. Uh, uh, one young man, we talked about him quite often, uh, uh, Josh Yoakum there in Kansas City. Josh, I know you're watching tonight. Uh, uh, 
I first encountered him and his family when he was three years old. I, was, I wasn't even a pastor then. I was, I was still an itinerant minister. And I was traveling around some places ministering. And we went to Mission Full Gospel Church there in Mission, Kansas. And I ministered the gospel. And the Lord touched his mother and touched his sisters and, and, and touched him even at three years of age. And, and he grew up and uh, uh, took some wrong turns and, and, and ended up being in prison for a period of time. But even in prison, he remembered us. He remembered the Word of God. That seed never quit germinating on the inside of him. And when he got out, the first place he came was to church. And he came to FBIMA. And he got solid on the Word of God. And he got solid on the things of God. Then he got married. And then their baby was born. And that challenge occurred. But what would have happened if he would have encountered that challenge without the Word of God? See, it changed his whole family. And now when they look at their son, they say, God did that for him. And they bring those children up the way they ought to bring them up. You change the whole family. So in the harvest, it's not just one soul, it's families. It's generations. Amen. Harvest always requires more reapers than sowers. And, and I'll expound on this for a moment. And that's why you can't let the enemy get your focus. Because there's a job for everyone to do. Everyone. And if the enemy gets your focus, he gets you off of God's perspective. You know, where you work, God put you there to bless you, yes, but He also put you there because you have something the people around you need. That's so important. When, when, I, when I realized that, working in, in the corporation that I worked in before I went into full-time ministry, it became so easy to just share the things of God with people. Because I realized I'm, I'm here to be blessed, but that's not my main job. My main job is to be a light. And you know, being a light is not always just expounding and witnessing to people and trying to get them saved. But being a light is being that force for God that we can all be just by living our lives the way He asks us to live them. Being joyful, being upbeat, being encouraging. Right? Not being full of fear. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep, respond, keep uh, returning to that. When you walk through the world, not just in this season, anytime in the 21st century, and you walk through the world fear-free, people want to know why. They want to know why. Why, why. why are you that way? And, and over and over again, I had the opportunity to lead people to Jesus, to pray with them. Uh, to minister to them, to pray for them when they were sick. I, I had people if I had people coming to my desk asking me, can you pray for me? Because so-and-so got prayed for and they feel better. Can you pray for me? Yeah. Man, one lady came over, uh, Jawanda Parks, I'll never forget her name. Uh, she was a manager on another, another floor. And she came and said, Philip, I need, actually called me Phil. She said, uh, nobody else calls me Phil. I don't like that name. But anyway. She said, Phil, can you pray for me? I said, yes, I can. 
and a, a, a man I laid hands on her, and that healing anointing flowed, and I needed an usher. She was, she was falling out on the corporate floor there in the insurance company. Amen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whoo, you know, whoo, Jesus, whoo. <laughs> Amen. But the, the point is, it's, it's not me talking about me. It's saying, when you're willing to sow the seed, God will respond accordingly, whatever it may be. Amen. I, I remember one time Pastor Michelle and I were in a restaurant and the server was serving us and uh, we were about done with our meal. And uh, uh, she came over and, and, and asked if we were ready for the check. And I said, yes, I am. I said, but let me, let me uh, take something. She said, what's that? I said, there are two kind of servers in the world. Immediately she perked up. She said, oh, yeah, really? I said, yeah, those that are born again and those that are about to be, which are you? And she just immediately began to weep. She said, I've been telling God I need to get saved. I need to get born again. And she got down in the floor. Oh, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray with me. And we led her to the Lord. And she got up. Notice what she said. She got up. She said, my mother's going to be so glad I got saved today. Amen. In, in the middle of the restaurant. Because the harvest is white. Amen. And that's dramatic, and I understand that, and there are, all cases are not going to be that way. Amen. But the point is, harvest always requires more reapers than sowers. One plants, and others come along to help us reap. In every area. In every area. One plants, and others come along to help us reap. And we can't afford to let the, the enemy distract us you know uh, the devil will take anything that you will give him and distract you with it if you start if you start there, there's something I learned and 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 I, I want to say this because when uh, when I got word last Monday Monday afternoon that my my dad had moved to heaven immediately I had to tell myself, now you got to get a hold of yourself because you know too much. You know too much about this. Right? I can't let the enemy get me over and pull me into a perspective of carnality. That make sense? And, and immediately I thought of the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 where Paul said, we do not sorrow as those that have no hope. For if we believe that Christ died and rose again, we also believe that he will, cut, he will bring us with him at his appearing. All right? So people will say, well, but should, isn't it natural to sorrow in a natural perspective? But sorrow was carried by Jesus. He carried our sorrows. Right? Now, that doesn't mean that I don't miss my dad. All right? I've still, I've still got to remind myself. I was talking to mom last night, and I almost said it. I had to, I had to, I had to stop myself because I, I, I just almost said, well, let me talk to dad real quick. Because that, that's, I've done that for years. Right? I mean, the phone rings, and it's, it's dad. Well, it's mom, but it's under dad's name. 
right? So, yeah, do you miss him? Yes, but I'm not sorrowful. And if you allow the enemy to pull you over into a fleshly, carnal perspective about things, you'll miss what, and it becomes a distraction. And then you're distracted for months, you're distracted for weeks. Some people have been distracted the rest of their lives. But as believers, we know too much. We know too much. The problem with coming to a church that preaches the Word is you know too much. <laughs> and, and you don't have the excuse everybody else has. Amen. So in this series, it may be elementary in some, on some levels, but what God's trying to say is, look, this is my perspective. I'm looking at what's coming. And it's the harvest. It's the harvest. Amen. And we're going to reap it. And it's going to be great in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we thank the Lord for all that He's doing uh, in, our, in our ministry, in our lives, and in your families. I'm telling you what, I've never seen a church where so many, so many, I'm going to say it this way, miracles where houses are concerned are just happening. I mean, it's just, I was sitting in staff meeting today and there were, there were four people in that meeting that had experienced miracles where houses are concerned. Because <laughs> what's the problem for the world is favor for the body. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. God's good to us. Amen.